Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in this Wednesday night. Sorry the show has been such a moving target lately, but that is just the way it had to be. Thanks for being here. Wow. Wow. I knew that this lawsuit against Five Pawns was going to be um, very controversial and hotly debated. I never expected what would have, what would actually happened. I mean, the internet just exploded over the weekend. There are people who want to kill me. <laughs> there are people who think I'm a terrorist. Oh, it's lovely. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I was just just luxuriating in a in a in in, in, a, in a crapulence of filthy comments just like rolling around in them like a oh, it was wonderful. I'll tell you what, I'm happier than a big and ship. It is, uh, it's wonderful. Thank you all for, uh, for those of you who, um, reached out and, uh, you know, said, Hey, Russ, I support you. You're doing the right thing. Thanks to you guys. But thank you so much more to all of you idiots who just <laughs> collectively lost your minds and shit all over the fucking Facebook. I love it. Uh, we'll talk all about you guys uh, a little bit later. Um, our first topic is, however, actually much more important, uh, than any of that. Uh, this is about um, a man in Australia who is really fighting to keep vaping legal in the entire continent. And it is, this is not a fun one, guys. This is a heartbreaking, um, really, really, really sad story. Um, and he needs your help. Uh, that'll be our first topic. I'm also going to have Dr. Gene Gilman from Enthalpy Analytical to talk about fighting back against uh, negative, incorrect uh, press uh, so Gene will be on after Vince. Uh, the Queen is dead. Long live the Queen. Everybody thinks they know what the, you know, even the experts think they know what happened in the Ronda Rousey match. And, um, they don't. Uh, I'm going to give a very detailed breakdown of the fight and tell you what really happened because uh, you're not going to find it, um, you know, watching ESPN. Uh, all that being said, let's start the show. Hey now, WVPL, 9.27 p.m. Yes, I'm going down, yeah. I'm going down, 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 down. Yes, I got my big feet in the window. Got my head on the ground. 58 degrees and partly cloudy. Okay, let's go. All right, let me uh, let me first bring on my guest uh, calling from God. I don't even know what, what time is it in Australia right now, Vince. It's just about ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> ten thirty in the morning. Okay. Um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Joe alerted me that you know you were in some some dire straits, and luckily we got to connect yesterday. Um, if you guys don't know Vince and what he's been up to, um, it's it's something I've covered in the past, and we we. We've tried to, to help as much as we can. Um, the situation is quite dire in Australia. Um, Vince, can we start from the beginning? Um, 
uh, what was that? Two th in 2013, I believe you were arrested on criminal charges for selling vaping equipment. Can you, can you just... No, it goes back to 2011. 2011, the, I'm the sorry. Court, yeah, the court case didn't end up happening for like two years after that. But yeah, um, I mean, to go right back to the beginning, um, I was a, a vapor and there were no sort of E6 stores available at the time in Australia. And after being frustrated, decided I'd start my own e-cig business mm -hmm. um, so that people could get their, you know, equipment locally and not have to wait, you know, the five or ten days for international delivery. And um, so, that, yeah, I, I set up an online shop. I didn't have a brick and mortar. I mean, I would have liked to have one day done that. But, um, yeah, I'd set up an online shop and we'd been running for about a year. Um, I was pretty much the first vendor in Australia. And, yeah, then, you know, out of the blue one day... Um, the health, the West Australian Health Department, um, sent a bunch of black SUVs to my house and conducted a, a raid, um, and yeah, alleged that me selling electronic cigarettes was breaching an obscure Tobacco Control Act that had been, you know, implemented five years previously to prevent the sale of um, candy cigarettes. Um, so the the law the law, I mean the law was made before electronic cigarettes even existed, and so obviously it wasn't about electronic cigarettes. It was just about you can't have anything that looks like a cigarette, but you can have actual cigarettes. But you can't sell anything that looks like an actual cigarette. Yeah, I mean it was to be honest, the, the law was a sensible law. It was a direct response to tobacco companies using candy to you know glamorize cigarettes, hoping, you know, to encourage, you know, children to one day be smokers. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the law. I mean, the, the wording of the law says it's illegal to sell a product that is a food, toy or other that is not a tobacco product, but is designed to resemble a tobacco product. Right. And, yeah, and it was literally because of those candy cigarettes that were called fags originally, and then they renamed them to fads, fun sticks, um, you know, the little white lollies with a red tip on the end. Mm -hmm was specifically for that but they you know but obviously they thought well we you know we'll catch all we'll make sure that other people other products similar products don't come out um and yeah they've they've tried to twist that law and use it to, to block the sale of all hardware um in three of the states um in australia have the exact same law and you know the the feeling is that if the appeal isn't you know if the appeal is unsuccessful and we don't overturn this ruling um, the other states will um, amend their own legislation to fall in line and effectively ban the sale of all vaping products um, within Australia. Yeah, and I want to make it clear to everyone that this is this is a real threat. Not only, I mean, it has a direct implication for the entire country slash continent of, of Australia. If Vince loses this case, it is a very real and likely possibility that there will be no more vaping allowed i mean the, the, there might be a black market but it's actually pretty tough to get black market stuff into australia they're, they're actually good at that um it, it it threatens the entire continent of, of australia that no vapor will ever be able to buy product there all of the brick and mortars will go out of business it will be a catastrophe and that sets up a huge dangerous precedent for the rest of the world to follow um you can better you better believe that other countries that are um unfriendly to vaping will take a page out of what Australia has done if they're successful and they'll try to do the same thing. Um, this threatens vapors all over the world. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's pretty much the feeling that everybody has. 
that you know Australia has been long seen internationally in the you know sort of the, in the Western allied nations as being a leader in tobacco control, and um, you know if this if this isn't overturned, um, it's very likely that other countries you know will use Australia's shining example of what you should be doing um, with with vaping products, and you know the, yeah the consequences obviously are, are pretty bad for everybody. After after you were visited by those black SUVs and you were, I suppose, issued some sort of a, a, a ticket or something, um, a couple a long time went by before anything else happened. What was what happened next? Yeah, so it was, nothing happened for about two years. They had taken all of my stock, um, shut my business down, threatened me with you know fines and all the rest of it if I continued to trade, but didn't do anything. And then two years later, I suddenly just got a, a summons. Saying that um, you know a date had been scheduled in court and they were proceeding with the charges, and um, you know I, I got a lawyer and um, we prepared for the case and it, the matter was heard in in a local magistrate's court. Um, the local judge looked at the products and said, you know, in her opinion, these things are not designed to resemble a tobacco product. They look more like a ballpoint pen or a laser pointer, um, and just dismissed the case. Um, and ordered that the health department return my property to me, um, and I thought at that point it was it. You know that you know we could, the matter was behind us, and you know I could resume you know trying to rebuild the business and and go forward. But um, 21 days later, um, like you know the last day they possibly could, I got a letter saying that they were appealing the magistrate's decision to the Supreme Court, and you know we were pretty shocked. Didn't think. You know they had much to stand on with it, but you know, nonetheless, a lot of money was then spent preparing for the Supreme Court. Yeah, when that matter was finally heard, um, we were ultimately unsuccessful, and the Supreme Court um, ruled against me and said that the original magistrate had been erroneous in limiting um, design to resemble to its physical attributes, and said that um, design to resemble should actually encompass its manner of use and that because you know you know e-cigs you know there's a hand to mouth action resulting in exhalation of vapor that that resembled a cigarette and thus you could put e-cigs and any vaping device um, as being covered by section 106a banning the sale of food um, toy or other product designed to resemble a tobacco product um, it was quite quite a remarkable turn because the original case um, had been specifically about, you know, the sort of the early generation e-cigs, you know, the Ego T and the and the 510T um, products that basically don't even exist anymore. Right. And um, but so had I had I lost um, in the magistrate's court originally, um, what that would have meant for the industry was that the Ego T and the 510T were now banned, but other models. You know, a CE5, for example, you know, or in contemporary terms, uh, you know, an Aspire Nautilus or something like that, they wouldn't be banned. The, the health department would have then had to go <clears throat> after each, you know, make a case against each product. However, you know, by appealing it to the Supreme Court and the way the Supreme Court um, justice decided to interpret the act, she completely broadened it to cover everything. Like now it wouldn't matter what model anymore. It was just anything that was vape hardware. Jesus. So yeah, pretty, pretty pretty scary outcome when you think. I mean, 
because in all honesty, you know, I, I think, you know, everyone listening to your show, well, they're savvy internet folk. You know what I mean? Like, um, you, you would discover e-cigs one way or the other. You'd get hold of e-cigs one way or the other. But a huge percentage of the population um, of people who need e-cigs are people that are in their, you know, 50s, 60s. And some of these people don't have the internet, don't know how to use the internet, are uncomfortable transacting on the internet. And if you take away the ability to buy these products locally, you've basically just taken the product away from these people. Mm -hmm. And we all know what the consequences of continuing to smoke are. You know, it's going to be early death. It's going to be disease. And, you know, we're talking about millions of lives. Globally, we're talking about billions of lives that, you know, are just being, well, we just don't care. They're collateral damage in the apparent war on tobacco. Um, how that fits into this conversation, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, but yeah, that's that's where we're at. So, so yeah. things progressed from there. And unfortunately, you know, when you started this fight, you, you had a lot of support and the lawyers that you hired uh, said, you know, we're going to need about $50,000 to fight this case. It turns out that they um, drastically underestimated uh, what was going to happen and the funds that would actually be required. Um, the community in Australia and around the world did step up and I, I think has raised at this point over $100,000 for your case. Um, where are you right now? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, yeah, the the outpouring of support um, has been amazing. Um, I think the GoFundMe is up to about 103000 at the moment, um, which is, I think, beyond anyone's expectations of possibility even. Um, and, you know, as you said, the lawyers originally thought $50,000. And so the target um, going into this was that we needed to raise $100,000. And the extra $50,000 was so that if the appeal was unsuccessful, um, there would be money left over to pay the prosecution's cost. Because in Australia, that's how it works. The, the winner gets to claim all costs from the loser. So being that the original two cases, the magistrate's um, case and then the Supreme Court, um, you know, that wiped me out financially. It, it, it took everything I had and put me into severe debt. Mm -hmm. And I said to everyone, look, I'm willing to fight on because well, technically I'm the only person with legal standing who can actually fight on, right. but I can't do it if I can't get the money to do it. And I, and I really didn't want to put myself in a position where through fighting on, I might lose everything and, you know, you have to go bankrupt and lose my family home and all the rest of it. That's why we had a hundred thousand dollar target. But as you say, the costs blew out. The prosecution kept delaying things, kept introducing new things, kept, you know, finding ways to spin the costs out. Yep, just trying to bleed just trying to bleed you dry with legal nonsense. Pretty much. And so now we've got to the point where, okay, we've got enough money and I'm gonna be go going ahead and, and you know, the appeal will be heard on, on Monday. But there's nothing left now. You know, if if I am unsuccessful, um and they come after me for another fifty thousand, another hundred thousand, um, in costs, I will pretty much just have to declare bankruptcy. There's no way I can come up with twenty thousand, let alone the possible hundred thousand they're going to charge. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty scary. I mean, obviously we hope for the win, um, you know, and then I might actually be able to recoup some of the costs, but there's no guarantee of that. 
um in fact wouldn't wouldn't if if, if you did win wouldn't um th that would mean there would be a large surplus left over and the people who have donated um could get their money back right mm, yeah that's right yeah i mean not probably not a hundred percent right um you, i don't think you can ever claim a hundred percent of your costs you know they're, they're always you know but probably the majority of it yeah we could get back and i mean you, you lose 5%. The GoFundMe, the way it works, they keep 5% of everything that's donated. So if you raise $100,000, $5,000 of it's lost to GoFundMe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the majority of the money would, would be able to be returned to the donors. That, that, was, that was always the intention, yeah. So now you're in a position where you are due in court um, this coming Monday, I believe. What would that be? Monday the uh, 23rd? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you'll be in court on Monday the 23rd. And uh, today... Uh, at least, well, for you, you're you're for you. It's November nineteenth. Um, you basically have you basically have two days to your lawyers. Uh, the, the lawyers that Vince has, um, they are not representing him uh, to be you know beneficent or to you know as an activist cause. No, they're just they're just being lawyers. It's a little you know they need they need money to be paid for them to do work. And right now they have um, about a day's worth of work to do and there's no more money. You know, they, they need effectively, what, what around $5,000 at this point? Yeah, I mean, we've managed to raise another, I don't know, four, four grand, something like that in the last few days. Um, so, yeah, probably another four or five would cover it. Um, it's, it's really, it's about preparation. It's about mm -hmm. having optimal amount of time for preparation. Um, with the existing funding, they get to do a day's preparation. If with, uh, with a little bit more, they get to do two days preparation. And that, you know, would be significantly better. I mean, double, double as good, in, you know, in terms of the preparation time and how prepared and they can be on the day. I mean, frankly, the, 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 the lawyers had always hoped... The senior, I've got two lawyers, and the the senior counsel, the really really expensive lawyer, um, who's really really good, he always thought, look, you've got a chance of winning um, in the in the court of appeals, the thing that's happening tomorrow, but he felt that the panel of judges in WA are very conservative, um, you know, to the point that justice may not be served in that court because. They have a conservative agenda to keep to, but he always believed that if he could get it to the high court, he'd he'd win. Um, so you know, he, and I think I think my lawyer thought I'd raise more money or there'd be enough money to get to the high court. So his intention going in tomorrow was going to be, you know, put up a really good argument, one that even if they don't agree with, the high court will agree with, and we can win later there. Um, but I've told him that my feeling is people have given everything they can possibly give and there's just no way we're going to i think it's just exceedingly unlikely that we will raise enough money to actually go to the high court so based on that i've said you need to do everything you can to win on monday and his and their response is another day would help mm -hmm. to have the best chance at that so here's where we are everybody um it's kind of do or die. Uh, Vince needs at least uh, to get another $5,000 to properly prepare for this date on Monday. And, um, you know, Vince, I appreciate you being honest. Um, 
the chances of Vince winning, you know, I, I it's, this isn't coming from me. I have no idea. But uh, according to his lawyers and according to Vince, um, it is a long shot. Um, but it's probably his best shot. And it certainly is possible that he can win, um, which would have an impact on on millions of people's lives in Australia and, and potentially elsewhere. Um, I, I know that Vince is a little bit uncomfortable um, asking. He, he, he's been asking for, for so long for so much um, and has gotten so much. He feels a little bit uncomfortable asking. Um, I do not feel uncomfortable asking my audience. L listen, it's about it's five thousand um, dollars, way more than a thousand people listen to to Clickbang every week. If every if 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 only a fraction of the audience gave five five dollars a five dollar donation to his GoFundMe, he would be prepared and have his best shot. And that's what I'm asking for. Um, I will put in the replay notes, and I'm putting now in the chat a link to his uh, GoFundMe page um, for individual vapors. Like even if you if you listen if you can if you can find it. Uh, to give more than five dollars, then give more than five dollars. But just five thousand dollars from—I'm sorry—just five dollars from just a portion of the audience of this program is is enough. And that's all I'm asking you to do, please. If 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 you if you know five five dollars doesn't really change anybody's day all that much. If you can do that, it could change his day um, by by quite a bit. Um, and it's it's for you know the best cause I can think of. This is a a really heartbreaking story. I mean, uh, Vince's life has been ruined from this. Uh, he has given up so much. I, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, Vince, but, um, you know, needless to say, your life today is very different than your life was in 2011. Um, it, it sounds like your life is in complete chaos because of this. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have all of this happen and not have pretty significant impacts. I mean, you know, I think most people would, would imagine, you know, that um, your family would support you through a situation like this. The reality is, you know, my partner has not been overly supportive because she's been deathly afraid that I'll lose everything and lose the family home. And to her, her opinion is my family should come first. And I've put the well-being of others ahead of my family. So you can imagine that probably doesn't have the best consequences to my relationship. Um, and I, I understand and appreciate where my partner comes from, so you know, I, I don't have any negative feelings about that. But yeah, it's fair to say that there's a lot of things going on in my life that um, uh, are, are pretty negative at this point. That it, had I not taken on the battle, wouldn't have happened. But that, you know, that being said, I I wouldn't change it. I have to do what's right. You know, I have to better be comfortable with you know the things I do in life and 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 sleep well at night, knowing that I did what I could. I didn't just walk away. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been an incredible struggle and, and I never, ever, ever thought that it would go on for this long. I thought, you know, if I had to commit maybe six months, a year of my life, um, to this, you know, that is worth it. And, you know, when I started out the campaign, I was pretty passionate and pretty enthusiastic and, and, you know, I did everything I could. I appeared on every show. I went on every radio station. I tried to do everything I could to raise publicity for the campaign. And, you know, at various points throughout the journey, I've, I've dropped off quite significantly as the personal calamity in my life has just taken too much of a toll and I've kind of just receded into myself. But, um, but we're at the end now, you know, prob probably at the end of the battle. And so it's the last sort of hurrah, come out, 
you know, fists, fists, fists up and let's see what we can do. Let's, I really hope we can get this thing over the line. And, you know, despite what my lawyers have said in terms of the probability of winning, deep down inside myself, I feel much more optimistic than the lawyers. You know, if you, if you heard, if you looked at the, the reasoning by which the first judge um, found against me, and if you look at the responses that my lawyers have come up with, it feels to me like an open and shut slam dunk. We're going to destroy them in court. You know, um, you know, my lawyers have said on multiple occasions, had this matter happened in, in Melbourne instead of Perth, um, you, know, you, know, you know, if it had happened in Victoria instead of Western Australia, we would win. We would just win because legally speaking, we're right. But that may not matter. But I'd like to believe, you know, like I really want to believe that at the top of the justice system, it's not corrupt, it's not agenda-based, that they're going to actually look at the law and that we're just going to win this thing. So, you know, I don't want to be too negative about it because I still want to believe that we can win. And I really do, you know. If, if it comes down to the facts of the matter, we've won. Um, you know, we've just got to make that argument um, as best can be made in court on Monday. Vince, I think so, you're, yeah, I, I think you're a truly exceptional and remarkable human being. I don't know. Um, I, I think that 99 out of a hundred people, if they were in a similar situation to you, I mean, what we're talking about when this all started, it was a, a relatively small fine, right? It was under $3,000, wasn't it? It was a $1,700 fine, 17000 in court costs. So what, what most people would have done is, you know, maybe had a go at, at, at fighting it at the first level and, and then just, or, or, or perhaps even just paying the fine. And if, that, and if, if they had cited anyone but Vince, that's probably what would have happened and vaping probably would be outlawed outright in Australia if that happened, depending on, there's some different factors that could have happened, but in all, in all likelihood... Um, nobody would have risked their entire, I mean, your entire life financially, um, your home, your family. Um, you have lost almost everything, and it's because you are so stubborn for the best reason possible. You are doing, this is, uh, this is one of the most selfless battles I've ever heard anybody fight. This is, this is there's no good. Well, even if you win, you know, you're going to be a whole lot worse off than you were uh, in so many ways. Um, there is no, there is really no way that you, you're coming out a, a winner. And I mean, if you're just looking at money and, and things like that, um, Vince is doing this for, for all vapors really. Uh, and I, I just don't think there, there are many people like you. And I just, you know, however this goes, man, thank you so much. I mean, you're, you're really a remarkable human being. I think there's a lot of people out there like me. It's just that you know, if people don't do, if people don't do things, you know, that don't help themselves, you know, they just, you, you have to, you have to do the right thing. And when people do the right thing, more people do the right thing. And, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm entirely unique. It's just that a spotlight has been shone on this issue. So, you know, maybe it seems extraordinary, but I want to believe that the world is actually filled with you know, like really good people that want to make a difference. And, you know, if nothing else, I will have made some difference. You know, the, the publicity, the number of news stories that have been run in Australia as a result of this case, 
Um, there are so many people, and, and the reality is no matter what the public health try and do to mislead the public about electronic cigarettes and try and um, make people think that they're, they're as bad or worse than cigarettes and, and shouldn't be used, the reality is every single time a smoker sees one of those articles, they're more likely to end up vaping. So, you know, no matter what they try and do to me and not what they try and do to this case, um, the longer, you know, the, the fact is, you know, they, they drew this out to try and cripple me, to, to try and break it from, from succeeding. But in drawing it out, they've also allowed thousands, millions of people around Australia and you know, even globally um, to see news articles about this and raise the, the awareness that there is a, a less harmful alternative to tobacco out there. So, you know, there is good that's come. One thing, you know, say what you will about me. The, the, the audience for this program is, I, I think, the best audience in the world. The last time you came on, Vince, we were able to raise, I believe, around $15,000, which uh, enabled you to at least to get this far. Um, this is right at the finish line. I am asking if you can, please, uh, a $5 donation. Like I said, if, if everyone who listened to the show gave it, we did, he'd have more than enough, well, well more than enough. Um, if you can't, give five dollars at least you know take that uh gofundme link and share it on your favorite social media and uh you know use the hashtag five for vince um and if there are any companies out there that are in a position where they can give more than five dollars um that that would really go a long way too i wish you the best of luck and i will talk you know i'll have an update for everyone um probably next week i don't know is this just a one-day thing in court on monday it's anticipated to be a one-day thing. It had better be a one-day thing because there won't be enough money for it to spill into two days. So the prosecution better not pull any shit. Um, but, yeah, it's anticipated. It's going to be a day. Um, I, it, it's not anticipated that they're going to rule on it on the day. It's more likely that we'll, you know, the oral arguments and everything will happen between the defence and the prosecution. Then the three judges will, uh, you know, adjourn to an indeterminate, you know, date in the future, probably a few weeks or a month or whatever later, okay. um, where we'll have to go back to hear the ruling. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll just cross our fingers and think happy thoughts, and um, hopefully, um, you know, Monday will go well, and a few weeks from the, on from there, we'll um, find out that actually, despite the, you know, the world, you know, we prevail, and, you know, Good will come of this. I think you can all hear a um, a combination of hope and desperation in Vince's voice. It it really is a desperate um, matter. Um, I don't know what else to say, guys. If you got if you if you can, please just five dollars mm. could could mean so much for so many people. Um, if if you can do it, please do it. Um, Vince, uh, thank you. I'll, I'll certainly be in touch with you moving forward and. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, I am calling on my audience to help. Please, guys, this is uh, this is life or death. It really is. Thanks, Eves, for us. I really appreciate the support, and thank you to everyone who's donated or even just shared the link to other people. It all makes a difference, and um, you know, you might think five dollars doesn't make a difference. It does in more than one way. You know, they all add up ultimately into you know actually a rather significant amount. But not just that, it it just feels good when I see a person from, you know, somewhere far away in the world who's given five bucks 
and shows that they care about something that's not directly related to them. It just it validates what I've been doing and what I've gone through to get to this point. So just thank you so much. You know, I can't express how much it means. I I can't, but it means a a lot. So thanks everyone. Thank you, Vince, and and there he goes, everybody. Vince um, uh, saying he's a hell of a guy is an understatement. Uh, please help him. This is uh, this is quite a uh, man. Okay, so. Um, for my next guest, I would like to bring on, uh, Gene Gilman from Enthalpy Analytical and, uh, Vince, uh, if you could, cause I gotta, I don't know how to do it myself. Can you disconnect the, the Skype call yourself? That way I can get my phones back. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, my next guest is, uh, Gene Gilman from Enthalpy Analytical. Uh, you might be, uh, familiar with Enthalpy. They, do testing on uh, e-liquids um, for lots of things. Um, uh, lately, I think they've probably been pretty busy uh, testing for uh, diacetyl and acetylpropanol. I, I commissioned them to test Suicide Bunny. Woof. Gosh, it must have been September of last year, well over a year ago, which kind of, uh, you know, that's not, this is not what Gene is on uh, to talk about tonight, but uh, uh, you might have heard him before on the program discussing that matter and uh gene contacted me um i was i was surprised to to see it he wanted to come on and talk about some of the bad press that vaping has been uh getting and and you know what we can do about it are you there gene i am can you hear me russ loud and clear thanks again for coming on the program um uh before you know before we well yeah let's let's just talk let's just talk about uh the issue at hand first um you uh, messaged me and you uh, linked me to an article that I had seen um, where n not only vape, you know, vaping, I think, was poorly represented, but also um, your company uh, was, was uh, I think, unfairly represented as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Sure. It, I mean, it started out as a very simple, simple project. Um, Rachel from the Journal Sentinel contacted us and said that she was doing a story on the ANAP on the marketplace, asked us if we'd be willing to test a few samples for her, for her story, and we said yes, because you know, we're open to everyone. Um, the samples came in, we tested them, and then we really didn't hear much back from Rachel until she called to get a few quotes. Um, and I was out of the, the country, so she got a, a quote from one of my sales guys. And the next thing we know, we have a story on the internet that really is very unflattering to Enthalpy with really no opportunity to respond or, or get our point forward with her at all. Um, we haven't really responded openly to this story because we thought we could work with Rachel. And you know, we worked with um, Dr. Reed at Marquette, who did the testing um, at, at his lab. We did the testing in our lab. We, we wrote a joint letter to Rachel pointing out some of the you know, basically inaccuracies in the story. And we thought if we just dealt with her as a, you know, as a professional group of people that she would listen to what we, we said and she would revise the story and everything would go away. But that's not what's happened. Um, we've provided some very good information to her. And what we've got back from her is this is a freedom of information um, issue, First Amendment issue. And the story is going to stand as it is no matter what, what I say and no matter what Dr. Reed says. And I think this really is... Um, indicative of what's happening to e-cigarettes because 
if you look at the story that Rachel has put out there, um, it's factually inaccurate. She's making inaccurate claims about enthalpy, and she's saying a lot of you know what I would consider outlandish statements about what's in e liquids today. One thing um, I want to make clear: they're in this article. They are uh, comparing uh, enthalpy with the the laboratory work done by Dr. Reed, who was at a university. And the article makes it seem like. Uh, enthalpy or, or don't know what they're doing and they're producing inaccurate results and Dr. Reed and his university are doing it the, the right way. Well, it turns out Dr. Reed um, is just as appalled by this as, as Dr. Gilman and this is why they've they've written this joint letter to the paper to change it um, uh, because Dr. Reed is, you know, his words are being twisted also uh, in the article. Um, so it's, a, it's an ugly situation and what, um, I mean, how can we help? Well, I mean, I really wanted to point out a few things that you, if you look at the, the title of the article, I don't know if you can, you can post it in the chat, but the title of the article is actually says, Lab Tests Reveal Popular E-Cigarette Liquids Contain Harmful Chemicals. And if you look at the results from the study and you look at enthalpy's results, it's actually one out of five contain any DA or AP at all. If you look at Dr. Reed's results, it's um, three out of five. So this, the whole title is, is incorrect. And then the subtitle of the article is testing typically used in the vapor industry is not sensitive enough to detect some levels. Well, that's completely inaccurate. Um, if you look at the, the test results, you know, we're clearly stated that our detection limit is one part per million. Dr. Reed's detection limit is 0.5 parts per million. Everything that he detected was above, I think, 10, 10, 10 ppm. So it's, it's clear that the, the reporter had, you know, uh, an image of what this story was going to be. And, you know, she got the results back from enthalpy that didn't confirm what she wanted them to be. You know, I don't think she wanted to have a story that said, oh, 20% of liquids contain diacetyl. You know, she clearly wanted to have a story that said exactly what the title is here. And, you know, I think we really, I wanted to point out two things. One, that, you know, there are factual inequities in this story. And also point out to the listeners that, you know, we've seen some really outlandish um, articles that, that put vaping in a negative light. And, you know, I want people to really consider who is writing those stories, what, why are they writing those stories, and can those, those stories really be trusted? That's, that's really what I wanted to bring forward. Fair enough. Um, you know, I think that I'm sure you've noticed that, you know, not many people really knew well, I mean, you had your customers certainly knew who you were, but the, you know, the vaping community as a whole um, was largely unfamiliar with enthalpy uh, before Dr. Farsalinos worked with you on um, on some of his studies. And then when I had commissioned you guys to test Suicide Bunny last year, um, that changed drastically. And I uh, I don't know why I don't. And and I, I almost think it's because people some there's people that hate what I am doing so much that I think you got some blowback and I just wanted to know if I'm sure you're aware of it but I mean every time I see even here's an example in this whole five pawns thing um, there was just this eruption on social media of uh, people who support me and also people 
who want to see uh, me hanged. Um, I remember I, one of the exchanges I saw was, you know, I, I posted the lawsuit and some idiots commented, you know, that you can't trust anything in this lawsuit because enthalpy doesn't know how to test liquids accurately, and and they're a bunch of uh, they're a bunch of morons. Nowhere in this lawsuit has any liquid been tested by enthalpy. You are your your company, at least in in, in the in the liquids in question in this in this five bonds lawsuit. You guys did no testing on. You are not referenced in any way. Yet just because I um, am spreading this, spreading information about what's going on, people just automatically think it, well, it must be enthalpy. And I so heavily regret that that happened. And I don't know why it's happened, but there seems to be some, it almost seems to be an organized effort. Every time there is anything about e-liquid testing put out there, whether or not it's done by you or someone else, there's always somebody there to say that enthalpy doesn't know what they're doing and they don't have accurate results. I'm sure, I'm sure you've noticed this. Um, I, I certainly have, and, and we spend quite a bit of our time actually dealing with, with complaints just like this. Um, we didn't, first, we did not do any of the testing for five ponds. Um, I think it's been publicly disclosed who did it. It's a, uh, it's a company in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a so couple, we, 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 couple, couple different companies have, have done testing. Neither of them have been you. Right. So we, we did none of that testing. So, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear that, you know, we have diacetyl and acetylpropanil in the e-liquid industry. I don't, I don't think anybody dis, um, disputes that fact. Um, but we have been. We have been really attacked for some of our results. Um, I've seen a lot of negative things posted on us um, about on, on Reddit. Um, we've seen some negative things on Facebook. And really, I, I don't really understand what the issue is. I mean, Enthalpy has been in business for 21 years. Um, we're awarded the credit laboratory. My, my group that I, I, I'm responsible for, our focus is um, uh, putting data into the FDA and the Health Canada and the NVISA and other regulatory bodies around the world. We're not just an e-liquid laboratory. In fact, e-liquids probably make up about 10% of our, our core business. So I mean, we're, we're a fairly well-established laboratory with lots of employees and lots of methods and a long history. But I, I think that people respond negatively because we're one of the laboratories that kind of brought this issue to the forefront. Right. It's... Uh... It's crazy. Uh, as I, 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 I would find it very hard to believe that in any of the other testing that your laboratory does, the other ninety percent of your business, have you ever had to deal with the just the emotion, the the, the foot stomping, the name calling? The I mean, you have probably never had to deal with this professionally before. Um, no, we I have not, um, and. It really is. The, the difference is, you know, I'm typically dealing with um, another scientist or a regulatory professional who's been doing this for quite a long time. You know, in the vape industry, we see a lot of people who are new to the industry. Um, testing products is new to them. And one of the things that, that is really causes concern to my customers that, is that we can make a mistake. And we test a lot of liquids. I mean, we're probably the largest laboratory in the U.S., probably the largest laboratory in the world for testing e-liquids. And, you know, if we've got a thousand customers a month in the laboratory, I think you're going to find that we probably mess up, you know, a couple projects, I wouldn't say a month, but we certainly a couple projects a quarter, um, and we fix them. I mean, that's just what we do. But that's, that's kind of what happens when you have people touching samples. And they, they really assume that analytical testing is going to be very analytical and automatic and error-free. 
And that's honestly not the reality. Now, on the flip side, I have a number of customers that send in samples for nicotine testing. They have the state of the mouth on the bottle. And, you know, once a quarter or once every couple months, we'll have a customer that has mislabeled the products. You know, they, they've misbiled it. Um, they, they put 12 milligram nicotine instead of six. And we send them an email and let them know what happens. So, you know, mistakes happen um, because we're people. Yeah, there is a there is a human element to this. This is not just, you know, you take the bottle and throw it in a machine and then poof, you get a, a readout. There is a human element with this. And with anything where the human element, there is an opportunity for error, unfortunately. But um, I mean, it, 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 it's absolutely true. I just um, and, you know, it, I, 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 I almost wish that I don't know that I don't know. I almost wish I and it's, I, I hope. Well, ultimately, I hope your business has done well and has not been harmed um, significantly by this. But I, I, I almost, I have a, I feel a little guilty that um, I, I might. Oh no! The, don't. Oh, don't be at all. I mean, we have done phenomenally well in the in the e-liquid industry and e-vapor industry in the last uh, two years. Um, we have we have we have hundreds and hundreds of customers. We have we're, we're doing test work for almost every single large manufacturer. So and those guys are sending in samples on a quarterly basis or, or batch testing and making sure that everything that they they sell is that still free. So we, we're doing pretty good there. Um, we have more issues with small manufacturers that have you know that do testing one time or, or once a year. Those are the guys that really um, have phone calls and have questions and, and want to understand the results. But we're, we're doing we're doing fine. Um, I did have another thought there though. Um, um, yeah. Well, one of the questions I, I saw this, um, just glancing, uh, you know, in the article, it states that there are, there were some differences between the method used by the university and, uh, and, and your laboratory. And just for the small percentage of the listeners out there who are interested in some geeky chemistry um what are the differences how do you normally go about testing e-liquid and how is it different than how some other people might do it well this is probably one of the most infuriating parts of the article because enthalpy actually used two separate methods we used a gcms method where we analyze the samples as is um using an internal standard and then we also analyze them by hplc using a dmph derivative method i know that's technical but there are two methods that are based on two different detection mechanisms. One is you know, GCMS, the other one is HPLC with a derivative. Um, Dr. Reed's lab used a derivative method that has been developed for analysis of diketones in beer. Um, it's, been, it's a published method. I have no reason to doubt that it's a perfectly good method for diketones in beer, uh, but it hasn't been validated for diketones in, in e-liquids. And if you know anything about e-liquids, you know that modern e-liquids are full of lots of different kinds of flavor compounds. There's, you know, the one note, two note, three note, four note mixtures that people make. And as e-liquids get more complicated, they get more difficult to analyze. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we have two methods, because if a customer has a complaint and says, I don't think this is, method is right, we'll run it by the other method. And if the two methods confirm and give the same results, then we, we believe our results. If the methods don't confirm, and this is and this is just good science, I'm not I'm not saying that we don't have faith in our methods, but the way you confirm an analytical result is you use a different method. 
Um, and we use two methods. And Dr. Reed's lab, because they're relatively new to the industry or new, new to the testing, just has one method. And when we analyze the samples from um, the Sentinel, we use two methods and we got the exact same results on all three samples for both methods. So I have some I have very solid um, evidence and faith that our results are totally correct. Understood. Um, is there any, uh, you know, when I, when I ask my audience to do something, they large portion of them do it. Um, is there anything that we, I mean, do you want to, do you want them to tweet the author? I mean, what, do, do you want them to take any action? I mean, I would, I would love it if the people read the article and just read the headline, read the headline and read the data that she has at the very bottom of it and see if they agree that, you know, um, if she says, you know, e-liquids contain dangerous chemicals, look at the results. And what they're going to find is if you believe our results and the results from uh, Marquette, then it's 20%, which really is not, is not true. Um, one other thing I want to point out is in the article, she clearly says that Enthalpy is the e-liquid industry's laboratory. I, I wish that was the case, but there are many, many other laboratories that provide the same testing services. So that is clearly inaccurate. I mean, we are just one laboratory. There are other laboratories that are out there. Um, and, you know, she needs to be aware that if people have an issue with, with doing work with Enthalpy, there are other labs they can use. This is not a reason for people not to test. And I think that's, I don't know if that was her intention with this article, but if you really read what she says, basically, if you're a manufacturer and you want to make sure that your products are still free, what are you going to do? Are you going to send them to Marquette? <laughs> are you going to send them to this crappy lab in North Carolina that doesn't know what they're doing? Or are you just going to keep selling them because there's no, there's no way you can get your products tested? Well, it's, you know, one of a... <laughs> Of a, of a million things that the that the press does just to make us look bad. I don't know why. I don't know why there is this uh, this 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 hatred of of your company by you know probably a very vocal minority. But um, that's the way it is. I don't know if they had anything to do with this. Who who the hell knows? I'll, I'll leave that to the. No, I mean they found us. They found us. They found us on the internet. Is is what they did. I mean they they're just trying to make a point and make a good story. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to yeah. point about the author is she did have several conversations with Dr. Farsalinas. Um, Dr. Farsalinas and I are friends. And you know, he had some, some serious concerns about the text of her article and some of the statements she, were, she was making about you know, the risks associated with low-level um, uh, inhalation of diacetyl. She chose you know, not to uh, include any of his comments because really she was looking for some kind of shock value with this article. Yeah, it's a hit Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And for her to be very concerned about 10 micrograms of, of diacetyl in a e-liquid, um, I don't really know that's valid. And, and the last thing I want to point out about this is if you look at the flavors that we found to be non-detects and Marquette found to be detects, it was pomegranate and grape. And those are really not liquids that you're, you expect to find diacetyl or acetylpropanil in. Uh, the other one was a buttery, creamy one, but... Grape and pomegranate are not going to be buttery, creamy flavors. Of course. Um, if anyone has any questions or, or comments, please call in at 347-308-8329. We do have a caller in the 408 area code. Caller in the 408 area code. You're on the air. Hi. Uh, this is Ed Wolf. Hey, Ed. Uh, I've been actually changing a couple emails, uh, or not emails, but Facebook posts with uh, Dr. Gene uh, or Dr. Gilman. 
yeah, I, I read the article, and um, and what it seems to come down to is that the university is saying that, uh, and I'll probably say this wrong, uh, derivation uh, is is what the university uses. And as best I understand that, it's kind of like distilling the sample to a method that it would be easier for you to detect what is actually inside it. Uh, and the university claims that they're using that process, and what the article is basically saying is that uh, you are not. Um, and so I, I don't know all, all the differences, but if, it, if it's just a, a simple thing um, of either one or the other, it, I, how can that be clarified? And, and then the second part uh, was, is there a documented, approved, peer-reviewed method of testing e-liquids uh, is there a standard that has been published? And that's all I have. Um, so uh, the first response is uh, the article is wrong, and Dr. Reed and I have written a joint letter trying to get her to correct some of the inaccuracies. Um, we actually use two methods, one of which is a derivative method. Um, it's very similar to what uh, was used by Marquette. And the other method we used was GCMS that wasn't derivatized. So that's an error in the, in the article. Um, and the other question is, is there a, a standard method? Um, to my knowledge, there's not really a standard method. Enthalpy has published our method in a peer-reviewed journal. We published with Dr. Farsalinas when we looked at diacetyl and acetylpropanil on a wide range of e-liquids for sale around the world. Um, to my knowledge, that's the only published method for the determination of diacetyl and acetylpropanil in liquids. Satisfactory answer, Ed, if you're still there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I heard the answer. I, I know that there is controversy, but I'm kind of out of my depth. I mean, there's other labs that say they use one method and other labs that they say use another method. And I guess a lot of frustration from e-liquid manufacturers are that when you're talking about the difference between 10 parts per million and 30 parts per million, um, you know, it, it, are the differences meaningful? And uh, another thing that, that I've heard is that you need to get over about 100 or maybe 200 parts per million of either DA or AP before you're getting any flavor profile from it. So anything below that is really contamination. Well, I mean, I, I can address the, the, the first comment, kind of. Um, when we first started doing this testing, it was really common for us to see liquids that were at 20,000, 40,000, um, certainly above 10,000 micrograms per mil. It, from what I've seen recently, those liquids are completely gone from the industry. So I think that's a big win for, for everyone. And, you know, the, the paper from Dr. Farsalinas and Enthalpy, I think, is responsible for some of that. Um, because I think people were selling products that they didn't know contained diacetyl and acetylpropanil. So I, I think that's positive. And also, I think that you know, people became aware of it and they started to take it out, taking out the, attention, the intentional addition of diacetyl to liquids. Because even though the health effects are not 100% clear, you know, nobody can say for certain that diacetyl is going to cause any health effects, it does have some risk associated with it. So, I mean, it's probably in everybody's interest to avoid that. That's you know, I think that's I think that's prudent. But we've seen the flight, the numbers come down. And if you look at um, you know the five pounds uh, results, they're talking around a couple hundred micrograms per mil. 
Um, most of the liquids that we see now that are testing positive are tested in a couple hundred micrograms per mil range. We're not seeing flavors that are in, you know, 20, 30, and 50,000 micrograms per mil like we were seeing um, just two years ago. Okay. All right. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for calling in, Ed. Good questions. Um, Ed, uh, well, do you, do you have anything else? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if, if Dr. Gilman would, would know the answer to this or not, but my understanding is that there is no government report of any type, and specifically in 2011, of danger levels of diacetyl or acetylpropanol in e-liquids. And there is a lawsuit that is making that claim, and I believe that is absolutely maliciously false. So if Dr. Gilman is aware of any government publications by NIOSH, or it, is there anything out there specifically to e-liquids? Um, I am not aware of that. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not out there. Uh, it just means that you know, I'm not aware of, of everything. I'm not aware of anything from the FDA, certainly, um, and I'm not aware of anything from the CDC, but it could be coming from another government agency. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Dr. Gilman. Good to hear that you guys are doing well, despite um, all the people that hate your guts <laughs> or or, or I have one more, just one, one more thing to, to mention. Yeah. Um, and you, there are lots of labs out there that test diacetyl and acetylpropanil. It's not going to, it's not going to kill enthalpy for you guys to look at a different lab. You know, I think it's much more important to get your products tested. Um, and if you really want to get your, you really want to make sure your numbers are right, send it to two labs, send it to three labs. And if the numbers don't match, then you need to call the lab up and say, Hey, I sent this to your competitor. The numbers don't match. What's up with that? And then make them explain it to you. Mm -hmm. And if if you guys call me and say I sent it to Pseudical um, out in out in Texas and they got a different result than you got, you're probably going to get a phone call back from me because I'm going to be really concerned about that. So I mean that you be proactive, spend a little bit of extra money, verify your suppliers, and then you know if you get two or three results back and they're all the same, you have a lot of certainty that the numbers are correct. Uh, good sound advice, just like uh, just like Tess just said. Get a second opinion. You know, you know, if you got diagnosed yep. with uh, with God knows you know, God knows what, you would uh, by a doctor. You would get a second opinion, and um, getting your e liquid tested should be no different. So, uh, very good advice. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, explaining all these things. Uh, appreciate it, and I will talk to you soon. Good. Thank you very much. I was I was glad to be on here. Thank you. All right, there he goes, everybody. Doctor Gene Gilman from Enthalpy Analytical, always uh, eludicating. Okay, so um, like I said, um, the entire vaping community on the internet has gone into a massive hissy fit over this um, over this lawsuit and it, uh, against Five Pawns, and um, I really find it. Um, like I said, I, I I enjoy it. I I enjoy people getting angry at me. Um, because I believe it's for completely baseless reasons. I mean, th there are examples like, you know, every, you know, some people groan when Ed calls into the show, but you know what? Um, he disagrees with me from a, a, a it, it's, it's not personal, at least he is against this lawsuit. Um, and, but the thing is his, uh, reasoned and pragmatic disagreement is, 
completely the opposite of people just really just saying that I, I'm doing this because I want to destroy the community that I would, you know, that what I'm doing is somehow going to, you know, get the, the FDA to make it even worse on us. I mean, you, it's, it's really unbelievable what I've seen. I, I just, you know, on, you know, I unfortunately um, had scheduled the show uh, to announce the lawsuit uh, last Friday. Uh, when I scheduled the result, um, uh, when I when I scheduled the show, I, I, I had no way of knowing that Paris was going to uh, be under a, a serious uh, terrorist attack that has claimed well over a hundred uh, well over a hundred lives. I don't know what the death count is. It's it's somewhere in the one twenties or one thirties at this point. With with many many more with serious injuries, it's a, a horrible situation. So on the day where there is an actual terrorist attack people actually being murdered i do the show and i'm immediately actually called a terrorist i mean if it was on any other day i would just think it was you know a an inaccurate use of the word but on the day where there are actually people dying in the street that is the word that you choose that I'm a terrorist. <laughs> That's how that is, and that comment is right now um, hung on my refrigerator with a magnet. And every time I go and get a beer, I look at it and I smile. Um, it's just it's just an example of the insanity and the irrationality and the emotion by this. Uh, what I think is I I'd like to think is a vocal minority, but it seems. It seems to be a lot of people, which is why I call this segment 5,000 Pawns. Um, it's some business. This is some business. I mean, could you ever imagine any other product where there's a company who knows that there is an issue with the product, who continues to tell their customer base that the issue, it does not exist, and then when it is brought to light and they admit it, can you imagine another industry where the customer base wouldn't be mad, but instead circles the wagons and tries to do everything that they can to support this company that has been lying to them? I don't care what you, whatever you think about the health risks with diacetyl and acetylpropanol. That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion, and I would, I would probably, um, you could probably bend me a little bit to, to say that the jury is still somewhat out. That's fine. But it is an issue. It is something they knew about. It is something that they obviously and objectively actively concealed and actively deceived their customer base. How could you support someone like that? How could you support a company like that? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the issue is. If they're actively lying to you about their product, how could you support someone like that? It, it blows my mind. It leads me to believe that diacetyl and acetylpropanol just you know yeah I, I think it's i think they're bad for your lungs but it must make you crazy <laughs> I, I i can see no other explanation for this this would not happen in any other industry period full stop so um i want to clarify some things because what became immediately apparent to me when this lawsuit was filed is that people had extremely strong opinions on something that they did not read. Plain and simple, they just did not read the lawsuit. Like the example I gave before, 
people, you know, when it was when the lawsuit was filed, they said you can't you can't believe anything that's in that lawsuit because enthalpy can't be trusted. Look, the enthalpy is nowhere in the lawsuit. They haven't done testing on anything that's being so. People haven't read it. So first, if you are going to be supportive or not supportive of this, you should at least read it. So let's start there. And if, if you're and if it's a little bit hard to glean what's actually in there and what it means, let me explain something. First and foremost, um, this is not my lawsuit. I am not a plaintiff. When there are damages awarded, I will not be claiming any of them. I, I have not, nor will I ever in the future, benefit financially in any way, shape, or form from this lawsuit. If you, it, it, so if you're going to make that allegation, please prove it. Of course you can't, because I have received nothing, nor will I ever. Now, another allegation is that the plaintiffs, you know, this is the, you know, obviously people are saying there's a, you know, $5 million class action lawsuit. The plaintiffs are just doing this so that they're going to get rich off it. Do you know that the, 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 the amount of money that would be awarded to any of the plaintiffs, this is, there are not, there, yes, there are three plaintiffs on the piece of paper, but if there is at, at some point any award given with this website, this is open to not just the three plaintiffs, but to every vapor in the United States of America who has been a Five Pawns customer. And the amounts that we're talking about, for example, one of the plaintiffs I know bought two bottles, two bottles of Five Pawns. What kind of money would he get if there are damages awarded? It would be a fraction of the cost of a bottle. What that fraction is has yet to be determined. They need to bring an expert in. We are a long ways away from that. But at best, at best, if the award was given for 90% of the cost of the product, which is unlikely, highly unlikely, but let's just say it was 90%, we're talking about less than a $60 purchase. You're talking about like a $40 award. So you really think that someone is going to go through this? And th thankfully, the, the plaintiffs actually have gotten relatively little uh, backlash. I expected a lot more. But you think they're going to go through all this for $40? That's the most they could possibly get. This is about the principle of it. This is about the principle of a company making something that is potentially dangerous and lying about it. Listen, if they had they this company, it was they were given more of a chance than any other company. They were given the best heads up possible. They dodged a bullet when I initially contacted those four companies. Five Pawns was immediately responded, said we're, we take this very seriously, Russ. We would like to share with you our test results. We will do that shortly. So I said, oh, okay, you know these guys seem like on the up and up. And you know what they did? They did test their product. But what they did not do after they found out that there were, by their own results, which the idiots actually published on the internet and is being used as evidence against them, they did not do any. Not only did they not do anything about it, they didn't say anything about it. They didn't make any statement at all when they knew this was a huge issue, when they knew that people had asked, when they knew that their own company had told people multiple times that their these chemicals do not exist in the liquid. They continued to obscure the fact that they knew that it did. They had a nine-month head start. I don't. They they wouldn't have even had to reformulate their their uh, 
their recipes, their, their, their flavors. They just needed to acknowledge that they found it. They just needed to take the appropriate steps to make the public aware. This lawsuit has nothing to do with awarding people damage because these liquids are bad for you. It is not, the, the damages that would be awarded, if they are ever, are not based on health. They are based on deception. That is, would a vapor have bought that bottle if they were informed that these, um, that these uh, chemicals were in it? The three plaintiffs that are on the, on the, on the uh, lawsuit right now would not have bought any of the product that they had bought if they were informed of what Five Pawns knew. It's as simple as that. The damages are not health-related on this lawsuit. They are monetary. And while $27.50 might not seem like a big deal, well, it adds up when you when you put the whole country in the mix. So that's what this is about. And are my motivations different uh, than, than the lawyers? Um, they're the same, but then there are some additional ones. Yes, I despise them. I think they're evil, um, and I want to punish them. That is not the intention of the lawyers on this case. In fact, that I would, much to my dismay, they tried as hard as they could to settle this without making it go to, to judge or jury trial. They gave Five Pawns every opportunity. Five Pawns, and it would have been completely sealed, completely secret, and I could have never talked about it. Five Pawns chose to take the completely public, uh, having this be completely in public view and extremely expensive. They have made every possible mistake at every possible time. Um, hey, look, we got a call. Do, 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 do. Caller in the 917 area code. You're on the air. Oh, whoops. Got to turn the pot on. Caller in the 917 area code. You're on the air. Um, I want to comment. I've been watching this uh, this whole story unfold. and it, I don't know how people understand that, that it's not about the toxicology reports. It's not about what's found in the liquid. It's a misrepresentation for the company. It's the lies, the deceit, the overall complete not giving a shit about any of their consumers. And, and you are right. They had multiple times, multiple times, to make this right. And I just, the fact that, that people are lashing out against you uh, just, just doesn't make any sense. Um, yes, was there misre misrepresentation? Absolutely. Do we not know fully about the levels and, and exactly in, in the toxicology reports and in your body? No, you, you're right. The jury is still out on that. But there is no doubt about it. Um, and the fact that the vaping community has has stood by some of these complete just idiots and and, and they had so many they had so many outs they had so many outs to just say you know what you what, you, what we're doing we messed up we lied we knew about it let's just let's just say it for what it is and, and move on and they would have looked good right they would have looked in a positive but they just keep digging themselves a hole mm -hmm. um, it, it's a it's a bad, it's a bad time in the vaping community, and I think a lot of people are, are just kind of sick of it. They kind of stepped away, myself included, stepped away from the vaping community because you're seeing that like what's going on, and and it's not rational, it's not making sense, 
and, uh, and quite frankly, it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of annoying. You know, you don't really want to be associated with these. How do you not see clearly that, that these people, what they did, what, what was not true, what was not right? And, uh, and, and you are right. You know, it's not about the money. It's not about what, what the actual toxicology report says. It's about the misrepresentation. And, and I'm just not sure how people can't wrap their heads around this. You know, uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what it is either. And um, it, it it's it, it is to me it is mind boggling. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, criticize all you want, but at least you know do it from an informed perspective. You at least understand what you're talking about. That's uh, that's clearly not happening here. Uh, I would say on both sides, but certainly more on the people who actually support these idiots, support five pawns. Um, it, it's mind boggling. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Um, whether or not you think that they uh, did something immoral, um, your opinion does not matter. Uh, the fact of the matter is they broke the law. Um, this will not be for you to decide. This will be for a judge and a jury to decide. Um, that's the, that, it's plain and simple. They broke the law. Plain and simple. Um, so, right. you know, um, I, I, I don't... Yeah, and, and, and the other side, okay, see, you know, do we open a can of worms? Possibly. Maybe that's a good thing, though. Why is that a, such a bad thing? We're going to harm the vaping community. Maybe we actually might save the vaping community. Maybe this will actually put a spin on it. And all the and all the e-liquid manufacturers say, oh, shit, look what the heck's going on. Let me change my labels. Let me change my website. Let me change the ingredients. Let me change my label that I put on. You know, let me get my, my, my liquids tested, which I would say probably about 40% of them still do not care. They do not care at all. Because when I go into my local B&M down here in Florida, they're, they're, I ask them, hey, you know, has this liquid been tested? No. And, and then they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I'm crazy for asking. Hey, by the way, is, it, is there a diacetyl in here? Like, I'm the, like, I'm the crazy one. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But all I know, though, is, is that, that I think that this is going to be a positive spin for the vegan community. Um, and, and, and hopefully a lot of people will, will, will listen up. And, and so, uh, so, so we'll see what, we'll see what happens, but, but right now it's, uh, it's, it's doomsday. I agree. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate the, uh, the viewpoint. Thanks. Thanks Ross. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that I'm seeing, um, quite, quite often is, you know, now is a bad time. You know, now is a really, really bad time for this to come out. Um, when is it going to be a good time exactly? I've been following and, and extremely intimately act, uh, active with, with activism uh, since 2010, okay? Things have been getting worse and worse, and are they at a fever pitch right now? Of course. Will they ever get better? No, of course not. The day, the day where we don't have to worry about the government taking away our products and our rights with, with regard to, uh, to vaping, that day, if it ever comes, is a decade or more away. There is never going to be a good time where we don't have other things to worry about. <laughs> what, and and do, you, do you really think that the FDA had, that they, they had worked, they're working on the deeming regulations for three years. Now they see this and something's going to change. They know, they've known about these liquids as long as we have, about these chemicals as long as we have. Do you really believe that? 
I think um, probably some of the best commentary on this Five Fawns lawsuit was, um, I, I think Kevin did it better than me, to be honest with you. Um, you know, for those of you uh, listening on the replay who have already listened to, law, uh, to Kevin, uh, you can skip the next 10 minutes of the show, but I'd like to share with you um, Kevin, who does not agree with me 100% on this, but I want you to hear his opinion and and the way he deconstructed this. I think it's some of the finest um, broadcasting that Kevin has ever done. This is from um, the last show that Kevin did. I think um, something with the masses is the name of the title. If you just go back, it's the last show that uh, Kevin did on Sunday. I'd like to hear what he, what he had to say about this, both him and Dino. So, yes, uh, Dino actually wanted to come on for this, which I was surprised. But uh, I guess you did listen to Rush's show the other day. Every word. Yes. Uh, I want to uh, discuss this whole five pawns thing. Now, again, I explained the beginning of the show. I'm not discussing details of the lawsuit. I could give that, that's not what I'm discussing. I'm discussing people's reactions to it. I've been reading that fucking Facebook, the Reddit. I've been reading everywhere all weekend. Everybody's comments on it. And boy, has that been interesting reading. I am very, very shocked by a lot of people's comments. Now, let me take this back to the beginning, okay? When Russ first told me about this, all right, this was my first response, okay? After he told me about and this is what I said to him. This is, By the way, I told Kevin about this. Um, he's like the only person I told about this when it was first happening. So he's talking about several months ago, actually. This is exactly what I said. My first response was, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. And he said, why? I said, it's terrible because what's going to happen is you're going to have a bunch of fucking asshole lawyers sitting around stay, just waiting to see what's going to happen with this case, okay? Let's say they win the case, okay? And Five Ponds has to pay. Now you're going to have a bunch of jerk-off fucking lawyers going absolutely nuts, wanting to sue every fucking e-liquid company on the planet. You're going to see these commercials on TV like they have for the drug companies. You know, you, they're like, uh, have you used Cutwood or Cloud or, or um, have you used Beard Vape Co.? Have you used, uh, you know, whatever fucking e-liquid? Uh, if you have, contact us. You may be entitled to money. You know, I, I just see lawyers going nuts. And yeah. this, All the ambulance chases yes, will come out of the work. Yes, and this is going to be horrible for fucking e-liquid companies. In fact, I think a lot of them are going to go away because they're going to say, why the fuck am I going to be in business? If, if Which I is could, not entirely a bad thing, I have to say. Yes, because I, 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 I don't want to be fucking sued and, and, and lose my life savings and my home and everything else. That was my first reaction, and that's what I told him when he told me about this. That was honestly my reaction. Now, this lawsuit comes out, and I've been reading all these comments, and the comments have been absolutely fascinating. And I want to thank everybody for the comments because it really made me think about this. Now, I want to, I want to, I want to preface this with, don't get me wrong. I still believe what I told him the first day he told me about that. I believe that that is absolutely going to happen. This is terrible. And it's not just going to be liquid companies. Then you're going to have asshole lawyers that could extend it to stores. They're going to start finding like chains of stores, you know, like companies that have like 10, 12 fucking stores. Well, let's go after the store and sue them and say that you bought a need. You know, it's good. I could see litigation fucking nightmare. I still believe that. I do. And I hate that. But I, I, I do. I, I think that could absolutely happen. But 
I've been reading these comments, and they really have made me think about this. Okay? They really, really have. Now, there's something... Okay, number one. Let's, let's, let's step back here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number one, when people are talking about this, okay, I don't see anybody... Well, maybe one or two idiots, but I think everybody is pretty much in agreement with two things. Number one that they did have either diacetyl or acetylpropanol in their liquids. Nobody's saying that's not true. It's true. Okay. Everybody, everybody's pretty much on agreement with that. And number two, I don't see anybody really disputing the fact that they lied about it. They did. Russ called him up uh, himself. He's got it recorded and asked him if it was in there. And they said, no, I don't give a fuck. Oh, it's a new plate. doesn't matter. He called five ponds and they said, no, our liquid does not contain that. Okay, there's really no disputing that. That's not really being disputed. Okay, and the lawsuit, just so you understand, is not that diacetyl or APU is in the liquid. It's about advertising. Okay, it's about lying to consumers. Okay, that's that's what the lawsuit's about. It's not about whether or not uh, uh, diacetyl or CPOP is harmful. What are this? What is not? That's not about that. Misrepresentation, misrepresentation yes. of their product. That's right. Miss, that's right. That is correct. So now, I think we can all pretty much agree that two things happened. There was either diacetyl or acetylpropanol in their liquids, and number two, they weren't honest about it. Okay? We can all agree about that. Okay? Well, not really, because well, a lot of people are still sticking their heads in the sandals. Well, that. okay, they stick their but but I think most people I don't know how, how you could you could deny it. their own fucking test results said it and um it, it the, the, there's evidence that the people call Russ, for example, called and they told him it wasn't in there. And there's other people apparently have done the same thing, okay? So as far as I'm concerned, there's proof that it was in there and they lied about it being in there. Okay? Now this is what's absolutely shocking to me. This is what's shocking to me. You have a bunch of people that are concerned about what this is going to do, number one, regarding the, uh, the deeming regulations. This is not going to do a fucking thing for the deeming regulations. Deeming regulations are done. It's not going to do a goddamn thing. Oh, my God. What's the FDA going to think? I'll tell you what the FDA thinks. The FDA is already very, very aware of acetylpropanol and diacetyl, and guess what? They don't like it. They think it's dangerous, and they don't think it should be in e-liquids, okay? It doesn't matter whether you think it's bad or not. You got some people out there, we really don't know if it's bad or not. It doesn't fucking matter. They think it's bad, okay? They think it's bad, and they don't like it. That's a fact that they don't like it, Okay? Now, these same people that are so concerned about what the FDA and the antis are going to think about this and how horrible this is, these are the same people running around screaming, I support five pawns. I support five pawns. You're screaming you support five pawns. Now, think about this for a second because I don't think any of you people have thought about this. Let me tell you something. Anybody that's saying that they support five pawns? You're all morons. You're all morons. And I'm going to tell you why you're all morons. Okay? Dude, I love that. If you're, <laughs> if you're so concerned with what the FDA, what anti is going to think about this, think about what you're doing. 
You have a company. There was a class action lawsuit brought against a company, okay? And they're going to see that the class action lawsuit, what it is, is there was these two dangerous chemicals in their e-liquid, acetylpropanol and diacetyl, and they lied about it to consumers. Okay, that's what they're going to see. That's what they're going to see with this lawsuit. Okay, so this company was putting dangerous chemicals in their e-liquid, and they were lying to consumers about it. And now you want to know what you're doing? You're yelling, I support them. So now they're going to go, so this is crazy. So this company (laughs) is putting these dangerous chemicals in their e-liquid, right? If this was a modder that fucked them, gave them the wrong item... He would be thrown under the bus in a fucking heartbeat. Right, right. I don't understand the mentality. But, but, but hang on, hang on. Let me finish. So, so this company is being accused of putting harmful chemicals in their e-liquid and lying to consumers about it. And now, this is the craziest part: consumers are actually supporting the company. Oh my God! Use your fucking brains. They're going to sit there and say, "What? You want to know what the headline is going to be from the antis? Here's the headline, you idiots." E-liquid company being sued for putting harmful chemicals into their e-liquid and lying to consumers about it. And this is the kicker. The consumers support them. How fucking nutty is that? Have you thought about that for one fucking second? You want to you worry about what the FDA and, and antis are going to think about this? What are they going to think about you, you fucking idiot who's screaming, I support them. You support a company that does that? Do you think you know how dumb that's going to make us look? You're all morons. Stop it already. Well, what what will we do without our mother's milk? <laughs> I mean, oh my god. They're screaming. I I, <laughs> I support a company who puts harmful chemicals in their e-liquid and and lies to lies to us about it. I support them. What the fuck are you thinking? That's going to make us look fucking stupid, which you should be saying is is I absolutely do not support anything like that. I am happy that this is happening because we don't want to do business with a company who's putting dangerous chemicals in their liquid and lying to us about it. And it doesn't matter whether or not AP or or diacetyl, whether you think it's harmful or not. It doesn't matter what the fuck you think because they think it is. That's all that matters. And you know what? Is there any definitive proof? that diacetyl or acetylpropanol is harmful? Is there just definitive facts? No, there's not yet. But you know what? We don't know. We don't know. It's a risk that needs to be avoided. We don't know. If I said, okay, if I said to Dino, let's say, Dino, you're sitting in a fucking restaurant, right? And this guy comes up to you and he says, hey, Dino, get this shit. I've got this cheese. It is the greatest cheese in the world. There's no cheese better, right, Dino? But <laughs> but we notice that with half of our customers that try the cheese, they get 72 hours of the worst diarrhea they've ever had in their life. Okay? But it's only with 50% of them. Some customers are just fine, but we've had customers that have had this cheese where they get explosive diarrhea for 72 hours straight. Do you want to <laughs> try it, Dino? Sure. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's we don't know. There's a 50-50 shot and it's an avoidable risk. So all you idiots screaming you support them, you're telling the antis and the FDA and everybody else watching, we support a company that puts bad stuff in their e-liquid that's harmful to us and lies to us about it. Use your fucking brains. What the fuck is wrong with you?
<laughs> I mean, really? Oh, my God. Holy shit. You know, someone mentioned on uh, Facebook, they said, you know, this is terrible. I have to go speak at OMB this week. Now what the hell am I going to say? Because I'm sure they're going to bring this up. This this really fucks me. Now what am I going to say? Because of this dumb fucking Try lawsuit. Try telling the truth. Yeah. You know what you say? This is what I would say if I was speaking to OMB this week. I would say, listen, OMB, I just want to mention something. That vapors are very concerned about what's in their e-liquid. And we do believe that we do need some regulation, not the outrageous regulation that the FDA is putting down, but we do absolutely need some regulation. In fact, let me give you an example of how we're actually self-regulating. There's actually currently a class action lawsuit that was brought up against a company who was putting diacetyl and acetylpropanol on their e-liquid and lying to us about it. And you know what? Now legal action is being taken against them by vapors. By three vapors. That's how much we care about this industry. We want to ensure that the e-liquid we're using is the safest it can possibly be and to ensure that companies aren't lying to us and putting harmful chemicals in our e-liquid. They would find that impressive. (laughs) I mean, come on. Oh, my God. You know. And I'm sorry, it's not mother's milk. It's Castle Reserve. (laughs) I mean, it's absolutely insane. You people have lost your fucking skulls. That's what you say. And then I see some people saying, well, they're a part of the community. They're a part of the community. We shouldn't be doing this to them. Well, you know what? If they they really cared about us, they wouldn't have done this in the first place. Listen, they did this to themselves. Russ didn't do this. They did this to themselves. Listen, let's take your argument all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to side with them for a second. Let's take your argument that Russ is only doing this because he wants attention and and uh, he's uh, just wants to cause drama. And Which he does. Yeah, and, and he's putting on a witch hunt and this and that and everything else, blah, blah, blah. Let's let, 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 let's let's talk to them. OK, let's say that's the case. Well, you know what? Five pawns should not have given somebody like that the ammunition to do something. If they were doing things right, then there's nothing that can happen to them. They weren't doing things. Suicide Bunny, she wasn't doing it right either. She had that fucking acetylpropanol on her liquid and, and, and she denied it, denied it, denied it. All right? If they were doing the right thing, then stuff like this, then people like Russ can't go after them and stuff like this can't happen. And you want to say, and listen, people are going, they're going, why is Russ going after these big companies? It's all about money. No, 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 no. It's not all about money. It has nothing to do with money. He went after suicide, and I I don't even need him for this. I can answer this for him. He went after Suicide Bunny and Five Pawns. These are two companies, okay, that sell some of the most expensive e-liquid on the market, okay? The way they promote these e-liquids are e-liquids that have the finest ingredients. You're going to get the best, the best ingredients. We put a lot of time and care into our e-liquid. Uh, five pawns with we we test our e-liquids to ensure you're only getting the finest quality ingredients. Five pawn Bosa, they they don't outsource flavors. They make their own flavors. You know, these are two companies that promote their e-liquids as the best of the best. And you're paying a premium cr- price because you're getting the best possible ingredients and e-liquid that money can buy. That's why. And then to find out that the shit's in there, in their e-liquid, that's why. Has nothing to do with money. 
Nothing. Nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> this has just been so great. You know, and then there's a lot of people that have this attitude of, well, why did we have to bring this out now? Why could have we just, you know, left it alone? Why do we have to well, just leave it alone? Okay, let them continue to put this shit in the reliquid and lie to consumers about it. Listen, someone made a comment on Facebook because there was a, a big discussion about that as well. As it, should just, it just should have been left alone. And this woman said, you know what? This kind of reminds me of what's been happening in the Catholic Church for the past how many years. I know exactly what she's talking about. She is absolutely right. For years, you had priests molesting children, okay? And the church didn't do anything about it. You want to know why? Oh, God forbid the public finds out about this. Oh, my God. This this is going to be horrible for for. For the church, this is going to be horrible for Christians. Oh, my God, we can't let this out. So you know what they did for all those years? They swept it under the rug. They did nothing. They continued, just just put it under the rug, hide it so that nobody would know, and years and years went by, and unfortunately, because they just brushed it under the rug, more and more kids were molested. It's horrible. It should have came out years and years. That's your attitude. Oh, sweep it under the rug. Let them keep on doing this. What kind of fucking attitude is that? <laughs> I mean, oh my God. I do know these people are losing their minds. I, I know, I know. And you I know what? You can, be, you can be mad at Russ all you want, but the fact of the matter is, is Five Pawns brought this upon themselves. They gave him the ammunition to do this. They brought it upon themselves. How about putting responsibility? Russ, Russ only gave it a little nudge. Yes, how about putting the responsibility on the parties that are responsible for this? Not him. They're responsible. Well, they don't, they're not going to go and, and badmouth five pawns because they won't get their juice. The, Russ is the easy guy to, to uh, take it out on. And, and, then another th- and another thing I see a lot of, and, and I want to shut you people up too because you're fucking idiots. Five Pods was a great company. They they give so much money to Safada or, 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 or Kassa. I'm sorry. They give so much money to Kassa. They're great. They give a lot of money to Kassa. They're wonderful. How dare you do this to them? Listen, you fucking idiot that's saying that. Now listen to me because you're a uh, Hang on. The, the people that are saying that. You're all morons. You are. Now let me tell you why. Why do you think Five Pawns or any company for that matter is giving all this money to advocacy? Because they want to stay in business, you dumb shit. They want to continue to sell e-liquid and make money. That's why they're doing it. They're not doing it because we just love vaping and we want to help the vapors around the world. No, they're doing it because they want to stay in business as long as they possibly can. And they know funding advocacy is certainly going to help in them being able to stay in business. Do you think my store here in Connecticut and all the other stores put up thousands of dollars every month to our lobbyists because we just love vaping and we want to keep all the vapors in Connecticut happy? No, because we want to stay in business because I want to be able to get a paycheck and fucking feed my my family. The ball's on you. (laughs) The ball's on you. I mean, come on. This is crazy, Dino. You know what vaping's biggest enemy is? Who? Vapors. Right. That's good radio. Uh, well done. And that was not the end of it. I do encourage you to go back to Sunday's broadcast and listen to the rest of it. The, the, that was Kevin just getting started. Uh, that's just the taste. Okay, with uh, some hesitancy, I am going to bring Ed on. He insists that he has a new point with new information that I am not aware of. Uh, shoot, what's up, Ed? 
Uh, yeah, uh, just give me about three minutes. Ten seconds. Three minutes? You, you said uh, you were going to be brief. How about how about this? I'll give you 15 seconds. Can you give me a few minutes? No. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the, the audience cannot cannot handle that. All, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a minute. All right. I, did you research these lawyers at all before you... You know, when they called you up. And the reason why I asked is because they have a similar lawsuit against uh, Enjoy. I am aware. Yes, I am. Can I finish? Can I, can, can I even get 60 seconds? I am aware of the. Because they are going after Enjoy and they're suing on the same thing. They're going after uh, PG and VG saying that they shouldn't be used. They, they're, they're attempting the same class. It's the same exact lawyers. These guys are trying to take out everything from Enjoy. I mean, and they're really going after them. They just had their class rejected. I didn't know all of this last week. They had their class rejected, so they've already failed. But, you know, they, when they're asking for $5 million, uh, they're asking that for themselves. They're not asking for that for anybody else. It's not going anywhere but inside of their pocket. To answer your and question, so to when, answer your question. They, Okay, so, go, go ahead. Well, I only have I only have twenty more seconds, so. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll let you have those twenty seconds. Pause. I am aware of that lawsuit. It is. Uh, I'm aware of it. I haven't read the whole brief. I don't know if I support it or not. Um, I do know that the lawyers who are working on this are different than the lawyers working on that. That said, yes, it is the same law firm, and I am aware of it. Okay, but they are the same. Betsy Manifold, uh, Rachel Rickett, uh, Janelle Polak, the same lawyers. Okay. It's the same ones. Understood. And so when they change it, when they Okay, so that's, that's going through, and that's after the whole industry. And so that exists out there. Okay. So when, when, you're, when you're talking about harm reduction, you have to be able to establish that if these people were going to buy, not buy five pawns, they would have bought something else. If they would have bought something else, the odds are a favor that they would have gotten a diacetyl and acetylpropanol in the alternate liquid they did. So it, the only way you can say that they would have saved anything is if they went, went back to smoking. And we know that smoking has both diacetyl and acetylpropanol in the cigarettes. Okay. I, uh, while so there's no, I, while, it's, a, it's a good point that you brought up, actually. Uh, it is something I was aware about. Uh, I'm not sure if most of the audience was aware so i appreciate you bringing it up and do you still have your vendetta against enjoy or is it just five pawns now i'm not a fan of enjoy would i have participated in any way with that other lawsuit um i don't know probably not well you did three shows at the end of the year against enjoy and you're you're trying to hammer them into nothing i don't you? I don't like. I that is correct. I don't like Enjoy. Would I have participated in some sort of legal action for the things that I didn't like that they were doing? No. I live in California, and there was a lot of propositions that happened. I read all of those thinking documents, and the only opposition, the only one, was Enjoy. There was nobody else except you had. 15, 20 different ones. If you take out Enjoy, you're taking out the lobbyist that was protecting California. I don't like everything that Enjoy does. I do very much like a lot of the things they do with activism. 
This other lawsuit against Enjoy is the same thing, the same lawyers. They're going after PG, VG, and the rest, including flavors. So that's what these lawyers are doing. Okay. Like I said, I don't know that I, I haven't read this that suit. I don't know if I support it or not. Likely not. Um, I do fully support this legal action. The information that was on Reddit came after when it was published. The only information, because I, I asked you, I said, I looked for the Enjo uh, for the Five Pawns advertising. I said I could not find it. You agreed. You could not find it either. The only place where it was was on Reddit. And when that was published, everybody knew that they had acetylpropanol in them. So when the first time that, and if you okay, now that, now I have to now I have to. Messages, all right, the reason why I have to stop you now is because we've already talked about this. You did, as promised, you did bring up new stuff. I'm not going back to the things that we talked about three times last show, but I do appreciate the call because people do have the right to know about that, and I do thank you for the call. Run away. I'm Run not, away. Run away. We've already done it, Ed. We've already done this. And I think, and just for the audience sake. Run away. Okay. I appreciate the call. You're always welcome to come on the show. Thank you. There he goes, everybody. Ed Wolf. Um, now, what everybody, uh, now, I'm, I'm carefully, uh, I'm carefully, I, I think, I think that there are actually more people that want to hear about me talk about Ronda Rousey and home than, than hear something that they heard last week. I think it's just, you know, throwing a dart at a board here. All right. So, um, one of the biggest upsets in the history of combative fighting, uh, happened in case you're not on a small chance that you're living under a rock. Cause you really, I mean, you couldn't have avoided this news. Um, Ronda Rousey, who was at one time a 20 to one favorite to beat, um, kickboxer, uh, really boxer, but uh, a fine kickboxer also, Holly Holm. Um, everybody uh, wrote this off as a stupid fight, um, that Holm had no chance. Um, and guess what? So did I. The hype machine behind Rousey uh, was deserved, but people weren't looking at the right things, and they're still not looking to the right thing, uh, to the right things that happened during this fight, um, that and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was a thrashing. It was a complete thrashing. Um, Rousey was decimated, and nobody, nobody saw that coming. But I, I've watched the fight probably about ten times, and if you very, if you carefully watch it and carefully, and I've done some as as much analysis on it, I can tell you that the reason that Rousey lost the fight is not because of a difference in skill sets, but it is 100% on her coaching staff. If she was properly trained on how to attack home, she, she would have won the fight 20 to one, you know? One of the most interesting, now, it, when you look at, first of all, a lot of people really discounted home um, and she didn't deserve it and just didn't look at the depth of her career. This is a 34-year-old woman who has fought in dozens and dozens of fights. She has won everything that could be won in women's boxing. She has won everything that could be won in women's uh, kickboxing. True, she has those amazing skills, but in MMA, the grappling uh, and the groundwork is something that she does not have. 
that is a fair and honest. I mean, she is a master boxer, uh, a master kickboxer, and a poor grappler. Uh, going up against someone who is the best grappler that the sport has ever seen, um, it's easy to see why people would have picked her to be such uh, uh, such an underdog. The problem is that Rousey's coaching staff did nothing to prepare her for what they should have known that this boxer were, was capable of. If you want to, uh, what I encourage you to do, if you're interested in this, go back and watch the fight again. But what I want you to do is instead of watching the fight just as watching the fight, only look at home. Rewatch the fight and don't look at Rousey. I know it's hard to do. Only look at home and look at what she's doing. She is constantly cutting off the ring from Rousey. I, and I also encourage you, uh, if you want to look at the master, Chavez. Look at an old Chavez fight and you will see somebody who is a master of cutting off the ring, making for every step that he takes, his opponent had to take three or four. That is what Holm did. Ronda was literally running around the ring in a frenzy because she did not know how to stand. She did not know how to approach somebody who had those skills. Rousey is as uh, deficient in that skill set as Holm was in her deficiency in grappling. The difference is it's a whole lot easier to teach a grappler how to walk than to teach a boxer how to grapple. There will be, a, I'm, I'm fairly certain there will be a rematch. And guess what? Rousey should be um, the favorite. And I think that would be a phenomenal bet. Um, the way to tell whether or not she's going to be prepared for this next fight is if she fires everybody. Here's what I'm going to, I'm going to play something for you. Um, this is really, really remarkable stuff. And it's something that you almost definitely missed. What's the uh, time point here? I got to go to. Um, in between the rounds, the uh, obviously you go to the, you know, both fighters go to their corner and they get, you know, patched up and, and coaching advice from their corner. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to what Rhonda's coaching staff told her when the fight broke and it was time for her to get patched up and go in the middle. Listen to this. Relax, breathe, okay? Let's rinse that mouth, okay? Don't swallow it, rinse it. Mm -hmm. okay. Champ, beautiful work. Listen, listen to me. Edmund okay? All she wants to do is catch you with that left hand and punk come on top with that hook, okay? We're feigning. We're keeping both hands up. We're feigning. Beautiful. Perfect. I love what you're doing. She was lucky to get out of that round alive. Did you see her? Her face com completely pulverized. She's been hit harder than she has ever been hit in her entire life. She lost the round. 10-8, she lost the round. She can barely breathe. Beautiful, perfect. I love what you're doing. What, pl what, what fight were you watching? Are you out of your mind? No. When you get her in the corner, the first thing you say, Rhonda, you lost that round. You can't chase her like that anymore. This is what we have to do so that you can get her on the ground. Beautiful. I love what, the, what, what 
And, and, and on top of that, she's sitting there, she, you know, perhaps before even that, she's sitting there breathing heavily out of her mouth, doesn't know where the fuck she is. Actually, the first thing before you said what I just said, you sit down and you have them breathe, deep breath in through the nose, hold it out through the mouth, another deep breath, center her, get her, get her wits about her, and then explain to her, you lost the round, here's what you got to do moving forward. Perfect, I love what you're doing, what the fuck are you talking about? On top of that, she had just, uh, she had just taken no less than a half a dozen brutal oblique kicks to her thighs, and they're not icing them. She doesn't have her legs work on her legs, for God's sakes. Now, all that being said, and as one-sided as the fight appeared to be, the reality is that Rousey was about three inches away from winning that fight. Now, as much as as much as she was very poor with her footwork to enable her to get home in a clinch. Um, and with proper training, she could have done it much easier. Uh, th there should have been some sort of strategy to do a two-leg takedown or something like that. There was a lot of different things that could be done. That said, she did manage to do it. She did manage at one point in the first round to get on top of home. And home did, I, I would say, you know, people are saying that home fought a perfect fight. Um, that's not true. She almost fought a perfect fight. She made one mistake, and that mistake, she was literally four or five inches away from losing. If you go back and watch the fight, watch when Rousey did get her in the clinch, did get her on the ground. Holm made a mistake that she had not made the rest of the fight. In every other attempt that Rousey had at, you know, trying to grapple. Holm took that left arm, tucked it in, and put it between Rousey and her. If you watch any other fight that Rousey has ever done, the opponent always takes that, that free arm and wraps it around Ronda's back. When Ronda feels that back arm around, around her back, the fight is over. That is exactly what she wants the opponent to do. It's a, it's a natural reaction. Most fighters will do that. Um, but to somebody with the arm bar, um, the, the power of an arm bar that Rousey has, that is the last thing you want to do. Once you put your arm around her back, that arm is no longer yours. It does not belong to you anymore. It's up to round. It's up to Rousey on how bad she wants to break your arm or how soon the the, the ref, you know how soon you're gonna you're gonna top out. So home home was making that proper adjustment, never putting her arm around the back, but she made a mistake and she did it once. She did it once and she did it at the worst time. When, when, when Rousey was on top of her, she was, she was twisted up like a pretzel. At that time, there was, a, there was a point where all Rousey had to do was make an adjustment with I uh, what I believe her left foot to swing it out. She then would have had the, um, the ability to have the leverage, grab the arm, arm bar, and from that point, you were looking at that fight being over in five minutes, despite the fact that that Rousey was not 100%. If she had just been able to do that, the fight was over right there. So the fight was actually much, much, much closer than any ESPN talking head would lead you to believe. 
home almost lost. It was that close. However, um, I think uh, a combination of factors, probably um, the effectiveness of the oblique leg kicks by uh, by home weakened Ronda's legs to the point where that maneuver was much more difficult than it would have been. Um, also, her just state of mind was not was not there. So, listen, home got out of that because she fought well, but she got into that because she made a mistake. That mistake, nine, 95 out of 100 times that she made would have cost her the fight. Did she get lucky? Not really. Her physical conditioning and, her, and, the, and the way that she was attacking Rousey was uh, impeccable, was perfect. But she made a mistake. Make, point blank. Holm made the worst mistake she could have possibly made and did not get punished for it. 95 times out of 100 she does. 95 times out of 100, she loses that fight right there. But that's not what happened. Um, it, if that clip of, of, uh, of the coaching being done, or the, the coaching being done between rounds doesn't, um, doesn't convince you that this coaching staff was completely, uh, just completely, just, I, I don't know. It, it, it couldn't be worse. You know, there's a, there's a video, um, that if you're interested in this this sort of thing, I really recommend. Um, Ronda Rousey's mother, who taught her judo, um, is no dummy. I mean, we're talking about. I think she's got a, I think she's got a PhD in, I don't know, something with chemistry or something. I, this is a this is a smart cookie. Okay, her mother's no dummy, and her mother was also a judo champion. Um, there is a video online. I, I'll find it for the replay notes. I don't have it right now for you guys, but it should be pretty easy to find. There is a YouTube video made months before the fight where Ronda Rousey's mother is just absolutely destroying and berating her coaches, Ronda Rousey's coach, Ronda Rousey's coaches. She knows they're wrong. She knows they don't know what they're doing. And she fired all, you know, unloaded both barrels on her. She knew then what everyone should know. Now this coaching staff is terrible to, to have, to, to have, Rhonda going out that way and trying to just track that like it was like a bull in the matador. You know that 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 certainly that worked for every other opponent because every other opponent they just they freaked out. Oh my god, fight back, punch back. No. You run away, you cut the ring off, and you take your shots that she doesn't know how to defend. That that straight left was fucking brutal. The kicks, particularly the the oblique kicks, brutal. The elbow. Things that you can that she just slows down, stands in front of you, pop. She can't defend it. Her Rousey's feet constantly flat, her head not moving. They did not they did not train her how to how to beat a boxer. Plain and simple. Home is the best boxer to ever exist in women's sports. And they did not train her how to fight a boxer. It almost seemed like they you know, in her last fight, and it's probably because in the last fight she she fought against the striker in her last fight. And Rousey was good enough just to, yeah. And Rousey, you know what? If you look at that last fight, she took some shots too. Quick fight over early, yeah. But did she? Did the other girl get some shots? And she did. She wasn't prepared for, properly for that last fight, but her just her overwhelming level of overall skill just let her just beat the crap out of her. And Rousey said, well, I did it with her and I'm going to do it again with them. And her, co and her coaching staff seemed to have, 
instructed her to do just that. She's like, yeah, you can beat her on your feet. Go ahead. Gross malfeasance. Gross malfeasance. Something interesting that I noticed, I had, I had even put on Facebook, I had published um, a bunch of odds because I was going to bet on Rousey, you know, like everyone else. I was going to bet on Rousey, and, you know, just a few hours before the fight, I put up all these cool prop bets that you could take, and I was really looking for the action. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to, to set up a, uh, you know, I was, I, I was going to go online and, and bet pretty heavily on some prop bets on Rousey because I thought it was, the, the odds being offered were pretty good, and I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty, really, really good chance I was going to break, I was going to at least break even and, and perhaps win quite a bit of money. Um, when I went back just before the fight, the odds have had shifted tremendously over to home side, like a huge, huge shift to the, to the point where I said, it's at this point, it's just not worth it to, to take this, uh, it's not worth it to take this, this fight. But I did try to get a bunch, you know, I, I got all my gambling degenerate fans. I'm like, you know, will you take this for the, nobody, no matter what the odds I set, nobody, um, would take my bet. Nobody wanted to bet against Rousey in any way, shape, or form, no matter what the odds. So I didn't bet at all, and thank goodness I would have lost everything. But here's something very interesting that happened. Like I said, if you had bet, um, you know, like a couple months ago when they originally, when Vegas already set the line, I think at, at the highest, uh, Holmes was a, a 22 to 1 underdog. So if you had bet $100 that Holm would have won, you would have won $2,200 on your $100 bet. When the fight actually went live, it's the biggest odd shift I've ever seen. If you had bet $100 on home, you would have only won like $570. So the odds shifted from $100 bet getting you over two grand to $100 bet getting you just over $500. Huge shift. Here's what happened. Um, just before the fight, because there was very little action on Holmes. Nobody nobody was taking that. And Vegas doesn't really like that. Vegas likes it. The best thing for Vegas is half the people make one bet and half the people make the opposite. Because then they just get all the VIG. You know, that's all they care about is the VIG. Right? So they don't like to see it on balance. So what some sports books started doing, believe it or not, was they started packaging some college football bets with betting on home to make it more attractive for people to place a bet that involved home. So they were like these, these, these bets where you could bet on this college game here. And you also get this bonus that you get to have some money on home. Also, it was like a, a weird kind of thing. And it was very attractive. The odds were really, really attractive. So a lot of people started taking that bet. Um, and it created, you know, just hours before the fight, there was an avalanche of money that was suddenly showing up betting on home. It got to the point where the Bellagio, one of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas, one thing you have to understand is there's a weird law in um, Vegas sports books where, you know, obviously the Bellagio has, you know, billions in the bank, right? Doesn't matter. In order to take bets on a sports fight, you must have the total amount of money that's being wagered. It has to be in the cage. In other words, it has to be in cash at the casino. 
doesn't matter that you got billions in the bank. It's kind of a weird law, I guess. I don't know why exactly it exists, but you have to have all outstanding bets covered in cash at the casino. Guess what? The Bellagio had to shut down on fight night. They had to shut down all betting on the fight because suddenly they did not have enough money in the cage to cover all of the action on Holmes. True fact. I can't remember the last time I heard that. So, anyway, um, everyone, myself included, uh, you know, vastly underrated this this fine, fine athlete, and uh, n none more than her training staff, who are the only people that uh, that matter. Unbelievable! Oh, wow, there's actually a call here. Do I have a call about Ronda Rousey? That would be awesome. Uh, caller in the nine seven eight area code. You're on the air. Oh crap! I, I pushed one like forty minutes ago. Oh, you did. You don't want to. What's, what's up? You don't want to talk about no, the fight. It's up, it's up, stomp. What's going on, man? Yeah, what's up, Jay? <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I absolutely adored the fight. Um, I thought Ronda uh, Ronda's been way too cocky lately. And I think she got exactly what she deserved. Well, um, I here's the thing. Everybody loves a fighter who is an invincible, who talks enormous shit. Look no further than Muhammad Ali. But the second that you lose this avalanche of just hatred towards Rousey, the, the, you know, the same people who were cheering on that aggression, uh, that hubris, uh, suddenly... They were shouting against her, so I I, I don't think um, that the reaction is particular is particularly. I, I love, I loved the confidence about Rhonda, but I think what she what she delivered differently in this respect was you know if you look at the weigh in, where where uh, home home refused to play dirty, you know as far as uh, you know talking shit and all that stuff. Rhonda really tried to play it up herself by being by being really awful at the weigh in. You know, she she tried to start shit with home at the weigh in. She's never really done that before. Uh but she was doing it here and it seemed to me like it was just because she was trying to drum up more business for her movie career. Uh and and that's what I saw differently about this fight than any other. Something else you just reminded me of. Um, if you watch the tape at the weigh-in, now obviously, for those of you who don't know, um, the fighters have to make a certain weight. So like, um, I, I think it's like 135, I think. is they, I, I think they both ended up weighing 134 or something like that. So they have to weigh 135 pounds or, or less, I believe is the number. I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, you have to make that weight 24 hours before the fight. However... Like, for example, if you see a, a boxer, a male boxer, to take a more extreme example, a male boxer who has to make 215 pounds, for example, before before the fight, when they actually step into the ring, um, they're going to weigh actually like 235 pounds. They're going to put on 20 pounds in a day, 15 to 20 pounds in a day, because to weigh in, they're going to... They, they put on a lot of water. Uh, they put on a little more muscle. Um, so... You know, that's just kind of how the sport works. And it actually makes sense for some health reasons uh, why it is that way. But I'm not going to get into that. Anyway, if you look at home and you look at Rousey at weigh-in, I would think that 
home put on about five pounds from way into the fight. I think Rousey put on about 15. Now, normally that would be okay, but the problem is, is that when she put on that extra 15 pounds, that would be fine if she was grappling. She was kickboxing, um, and on top of right. on top of kickboxing, um, I don't. I counted the number of times that um, that Rousey actually kicked. Uh, it's zero. Yeah, she did not kick she once. She needed more. She needed more stamina and and not as much weight. Right. Well, no, the weight was in. the weight was fine as long as she had an effective strategy to clinch. She did not. Her strategy was the was to stand there and run around and 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 box. Um, so, it, it, but tired. Was tired right from the first 40 seconds of that fight she absolutely was exhausted. absolutely she could she could not find a way because it, like i said it was a, it was a bull rushing the matador i mean you know if right. you know that the, the and you you could see it in home home was home was tentative but effective the entire first round she was very if you looked at her she was very tentative she was keeping her distance being very shaky with with her demeanor uh, but she was also extremely effective, Throw, throwing those jabs, throwing the, the the straight right hand, throwing the curved lefts. She was extremely effective, but she was also extremely tentative. But yeah. but uh, I, I think a better adjective. I think a better adjective to use, while I agree with you, would be efficient. Mm -hmm. She was very efficient. She was making the right moves to make for every step that she had to take. Rousey had to take three, and you know that's just cutting off the ring. I mean. Yeah. You know, uh, she can't, she can't, she can't force, she can't force Rhonda to make those, that mistake, but she was making it the entire time. Yeah. And, and, and Rhonda was, was chasing her around the ring the entire time, mm -hmm. the entire time she was playing into Holmes game the entire time. Um, it was a phenomenal fight. It, it oh my was. God, was that a great it was a phenomenal fight. And it it's probably, it's probably the best fight that Holmes has ever, um, has ever fought her her coaching staff um did a phenomenal job they took they gave her all of the information she did almost everything perfectly she only made one mistake and going back to your original point that you know maybe rousey deserved this because of all the arrogance and everything she did not deserve to get that kind of coaching for the fight it you know it almost makes me think you know that's well that's what Bad is that it? I I completely agree with you that I don't think it was entirely her fault. I think she got really bad advice, especially between rounds one and two. She got incredibly bad advice. They they were just they were blowing smoke up her ass. Yeah, I mean between it, rounds, it was it, it was. I've never seen. I really wish you know like hindsight is twenty twenty. But I I was watching the fight and hearing that, and I'm hearing what this guy is saying. I'm just like, what what the fuck is going on? And then they cut over to to. Holmes ring. I would have never done that. I would have just stayed there because it was amazing what was coming out of this guy's mouth. Now they cut over to Holmes side yeah. and Holmes side is just, you know, telling, telling her you're doing the exact same thing, you know, make this little adjustment, whatever. But like, it was boring. I mean, they were just, you know, I would have stayed there. At the tail end of that clip, when they cut over to Holmes ring, he started whispering in her ear. Did you notice that? No. Like the, the last the last 10 or 15 seconds, he was whispering in her ear. Well, like he didn't even want the camera guy to know what he was saying to her. Let me just take watch a look it. over here. Yeah, you have to watch it again. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, he, I don't know. I mean, I haven't even seen this. Out. This is like this is kind of like a conspiracy theory type thing. I don't. I'm not saying I believe this is true, but 
is it possible that 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 her staff? I mean, they're clearly incompetent. So, but is it possible that they were intentionally incompetent, that they could have given her such bad advice to, to get her in a spot where she was going to lose and make a lot of money on the awesome odds that were, has it happened? I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I'll put it to you this way. Has that happened before in professional fighting? Absolutely. Did it happen this time? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even posit that. It's a theory, but, uh, you know, it's, it's always possible. It's always possible. And, and like I said, I mean, in my opinion, it was Rhonda's time. It was her time to, to lose a fight. Will she come back and win against home in the, in the rematch? I don't know, but I sure as fuck want to see it live. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be waiting a while. Um, uh, Rousey, if she, listen, We're talking uh, about July. For, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be July. And the reason why is because I believe, you know, all all fighters, all uh, UFC fighters, um, after a fight, they're immediately suspended. Uh, not that they did anything wrong, but there is an immediate suspension for everyone for a minimum of a week. So they're not really allowed to do anything for a week. Now, if they have suffered an injury, they will be suspended for from anywhere from 30 days uh, to six months to a year. They can really do whatever they want. Um, if Rousey's injuries were significant enough, it's likely that she will be suspended for six months. Now, typically the way this sort of thing goes is that the, you know, home will probably fight someone who's not her, you know, some sometime between now and July. Um, Rousey will probably have to do that too when she's allowed back. So you're probably looking at Rousey to be fighting someone who is not home in July and then maybe, you know, Towards, you know, the fall of 2016 is the best chance you see them getting back in the ring together again. That's just kind of the way the sport works. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Yeah, that, that, that's and it may, possible. And, and, it, and it may never happen at all. Even though Holm has already said, I'm open to a rematch, absolutely. Um, just the way that the... Anything like boxing, I would think that, it, that she'd be contractually obligated to fight Holm. Fight. No, I don't think it works that. Way. No, I don't. I don't think there was any anything like that, in, in, in the contract. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there is really no opportunity for an immediate rematch. Um, Rousey will likely be suspended for six months. I believe. I, I believe her injuries were uh, extremely significant. Um, I, I guess I disagree with you there. I, I know she got a split lip. Her bottom lip was split you know, pretty much wide open, but that's more or less superficial in, in MMA. Yeah, but I mean, she was, she was knocked unconscious and then was, took another few hits yeah. there. There, there's, it's very, it's very likely that her brain is extremely bruised. Um, I think that kick uh, damaged her jaw significantly. Um, yeah, I, uh, I would agree. You know, she might, she might have some, uh, she might have some, I think she has a lot of trauma to her legs. I, I mean, she got fucked up. I, I mean, and the one thing about the UFC, you know, they really do take this kind of stuff very seriously. So mm -hmm. a, I think a six-month suspension is, is very likely. And she's okay. going to... You know, well, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to drink some beers and watch the next one. This is so cool. I just like, I, I, I've, I've just, you know, I could scratch something off the bucket list. I, I, I had a... I had a, a show segment about about fighting, and like I had a I had a caller. I, I feel like I'm on six sixty a.m. You know, this is amazing. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell you called in about, but I'm glad you I'm glad we talked about this. <laughs> that was 
was it. I call. I, I pressed one as soon as you started talking about the fight. So. Oh, cool. Awesome. Hey, listen. Hey, there he there he goes, everybody. Jay, um, uh, up thump. Thanks so much for calling in. That was good shit. Thanks, man. Cheers.